welcome back to the Pro Series Podcast. I am your host, Eric Doman. Today's episode is number 29, and I get to sit and talk with HGTV's Noelle Gatz. We talk about how she went from Broadway star to HGTV star, how she started her business, Beam & Bloom, and also how she's getting her certifications now to become a better designer. But before we enter the episode, I would love if you go to wherever you listen to podcasts, like, subscribe, review the podcast. It helps out with the success of this podcast. I greatly appreciate it. And here is episode 29 with Noel Gatz. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me today on the Pro Series podcast. I'm excited to have you on. Um, I think I found you. I mean, I, I first found you on TV, obviously. <laughs> um, but I think I found you off of your business page, Being yes. Bloom. Yes. Um, and I reached out and I, I was so excited to talk to you because you've come into this career in a very familiar way from a lot of people in the world. Um, they're, you know, tired of their regular job or mm-hmm. however it comes. You have your kids and you finally do your passion career. Um, yeah. And I would love to talk about that first on how you got into this career and what you did beforehand in that transition into this career. Yes, it's such a good topic. Thank you, Eric. And thanks for having me. This is super fun. No problem. Um, oh my gosh, it's such a scary thing to do, I think, to transition careers. And a lot of us are forced into it a little bit, especially often women who, um, if they do have children, if they do have families, they often are the ones who choose to stay home. I know that for my husband and I, that was a huge discussion point, right? Like we were both at the beginning of our career. So kind of either one of us could have taken a full-time job and gotten the benefits. And he decided to, I stayed home. Um, I was an actress before, so it was a lot of travel. It was a lot of, it was hard on my body. I was out of town. Um, So once I had children, I think it became very clear that that was not really what I wanted to do anymore. I was more passionate about being a parent and I knew I could find something else I wanted to do. For a few years, it was just parenting. It was giving up everything and really being there full time. And I'd work like part-time jobs, you know, like on the computer, working for people like doing, you know, you know, admin stuff. And then I found when we purchased our home, we saved up, we purchased a home. uh, I realized I'd, I'd always loved dabbling in decor and decorating. But when we had to dive in and do renovations, we had to do the kitchen. We had to fix a lot of things. It was a fixer upper that's when I realized this is something I could do for a living. I enjoy it. I'm good at the project management. I'm good at the attention to detail. I, I love it. Mm-hmm. So how can I do that? And um, for me, I didn't have the education, the formal education. So I started as a decorator and would just, my friends were asking me for help. I was like, well, I'll start charging people after I do a few free jobs. <laughs> um, built a portfolio doing some, some free work really, into, you know, for all intensive purposes. And then put something together where people could see what I've done, you know, and then I wrote up a business plan and had like a method and I grew very slowly. Um, and I had a lot of help, you know, you can research podcasts are actually excellent ways to get advice. Um, I love your podcast. I was listening to Luann Nagara's podcast, which is a well-designed business, which is also go to these podcasts, listen to people's stories. You can learn so much. And it sort of evolved from there. And then, you know, five years later, here I am. Absolutely. So 
Um, when you were an actress, where were you located? Was it in New York or like LA? New York or? City, yeah. So I was a theater actress. So musical theater, performing, it's really the place to be is yeah. New York City. Um, all the auditions sort of center out of New York City and then you travel. So if you're doing regional theater, you're all over the place. So I've been all over the place. Um, and I actually have a funny story, which is that I found out I was pregnant the week for with my second child, the week that I was offered my first Broadway contract. And I was very ill when I was pregnant, so I couldn't take it. My so it's like, it's kind of interesting, though, that it sort of led me to the career that I was meant to do. But at the time, it was kind of devastating. I was like, I finally got that Broadway show. Yeah. Do, you <laughs> you miss, know, but do you miss theater at all? It's so interesting you're asking me that. I love theater, and I still have sort of a hand in it. I actually... Um, taught a bunch of kids theater at my kids school as a volunteer program and that was phenomenal I surprisingly don't miss the performing of it that much I okay. think I'm fulfilled by that just talking to people and helping them create and I think also as you hear my voice I was sick about once a year I would get sick like this and the pressure and the anxiety of like I'm supposed to sing on stage for two hours like it just I don't miss that part of it. Um, and I get to see so much of it and see my friends doing it that I'm surprised to say, I don't really, really miss being on stage anymore. Wow. I mean, so I guess I'm doing the right thing. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. Cause that most of the time when someone switches or transitions into a career, they had a love for that career before they went into it. But this kind of mm -hmm. like just fell into your lap really. Yeah. And and I loved my first career, which is interesting too. I've kind of always followed my passion, um, except for those years in between when it was like a grind. I was home. I was with the kids. I was also working a few jobs. I mean, that was definitely about, you know, five to seven years of giving up everything to just mm -hmm. build a stable base, to make money, to make sure we were secure. Um, and I part, you know, I credit my partner, my husband a ton as well. I mean, we both gave up a lot of things to get here. Um, but I was lucky enough to have a first passionate career and then to sort of transition into another. Yeah. But I have a lot of catching up to do. We talked about this before. I don't have the formal training, but I want to be formally trained. So I'm now kind of taking the CEU classes, the continued education classes. I'm getting my kitchen and bath certification, hopefully soon through the NKBA program. Oh, okay. I'm really trying to make up for lost time that way. I think I had a lot of great talent and, and, and I'm, I enjoy it so much, but I, you got to learn the, the goods, oh, you definitely. know, you got to, you got to get the skills too. Yeah. And that's a big thing. I mean, I was, I was very happy that you said that because this is one of those professions that like customers are counting on you for like thousands and thousands of dollars for their own home. And mm. a lot of people you see think they could just flip a house and they're just going to the profession without training. I mean, that's, that you're actually willing to do that. It shows like how much you care about the profession and how much you care about getting business and staying, Thank you. having the business. Yeah. And I respect the people who've done the work. Like I recognized, you know, I recognized in the beginning, I was kind of very shy about calling myself a designer for a long time because I was really a decorator who could assist with the design, with the architects and the contractors. And I certainly could do that and brainstorm. And I understood the basics, but I have so much respect for the industry that I, I acknowledge where I'm lacking and I want to learn that, those things. And I did, I really did put my nose to the grindstone and, and, and learn. Yeah. Um, 
So though I don't have the official certifications right now, I have a lot of education under my belt. Yeah. And that's anybody listening that we're in a profession that there's so many different types of teaching that you could get into to yes. get into interior design. Like I have a bachelor's degree in it. Yeah. I know people that have associate's degrees or they went to a technical school or like they're getting certified by the NKBA like you are. So there's That's so many pathways to get into it. Yeah. And don't be shy about it. I think, and also recognize that it's going to be a journey. I mean, a lot of people want to start a business and they just have a love or a passion for it. They think they have to have a degree to start. Well, I don't think so. If you're honest, if you're honest yeah. about what your background is and you have the integrity to do the work and catch up, I think it's perfectly fine to be honest about where you're starting with your pricing, what you're offering your clients, make yep. sure they are aware of your experience. And um, it's worked well for me. And, and it, I probably grew a little slower than some people who take a lot of risks, yeah. but, um, and I was also very fortunate because I had put in those years of work beforehand where we were in a position that I could, and my kids went to school, you know, so I wasn't home with them all day anymore. I was able to do it. Um, I recognize how fortunate that is. I know a lot of people who have full-time jobs, nursing or um, in the corporate world. And that big leap to like leave that job and do this full-time, that's a huge leap. And uh, you can do it, but it's a, 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 big, a big job. <laughs> it definitely is. Do you feel like going back to you when you were an actress, that grind of getting a job, and all that. How does that relate to you, you getting a job now with a client? For Very good. But it's, it's easier. I don't know how. It's okay. Um, it's so funny that you're even aware of that. The hustle of being an actor is one of the things you have to love to really mm -hmm. do it because you can be very successful and you still have to get back into the grind. Um, with this profession, I feel like as, as much as it does translate into your auditioning, you know, essentially when you're, when you're trying to get a new client or you're, deciding whether you guys are a yeah. good fit it's very important that you fit the roles that you yeah. and sometimes you sometimes it doesn't work out I've had just a couple clients I would say in my five years where I'm like oh I was not the best fit for this person or vice versa <laughs> but it comes into play and I think you have to be good at reading people and improvising and, and recognizing what you can offer one another but it's it's easier because I feel like I have um maybe a more slightly more objective um, product to offer them where they can yeah. really see what I've done. And when it comes to theater, it's so subjective. You could be absolutely beautiful and talented and some other director might think you're perfect for a job, but this one, it's just not the right fit for them. Yeah. And that's actually, I guess, a little similar here in this world, right? Like you might be drawn to someone's aesthetic and not drawn to someone else's aesthetic or one person's process might work better for you than another person's process. Um, so it, it actually does translate a lot, but I find it to be more in my control how well I do in this business than it was in theater. Yeah, I, I feel like there's a lot of benefits from the career that you were into now because that was all brand based when you're an actor. Yep. Like you are your own brand. And so when really? you're creating Beam and Bloom, it was probably a lot easier than when someone else just creates a new company because you already are part of that branding yeah that's true for so long I think that's true and I think also having been an actress and in a theater world where you're creating a world and environment for people I was well aware that I was an eclectic designer 
So that means I was well aware that I was ready and interested in um, working with people to get their vision sort of coming to reality with my expertise involved. Does that make sense? So like yeah, the crazy, does. like multiple personality thing that you do in theater, you can kind of parlay into, into design if you are an eclectic designer. And not everyone is. I know people really have very specific genres. Yeah. And I tend to be less rule-based and much more balanced and delight-based. I talk about that a lot on my site. It's I, I'm more interested in making sure that things are balanced for the way people are living, the color, the light, the dark, to create the mood that they want mm-hmm. and, and to bring delight to them so that's very theatrical I mean it's all like gosh your environment this is why we spend you know why productions spend so much money on costumes and sets and lighting those things are all just directly translatable into interior design that's funny you brought up that with like uh costumes and lighting and stuff would you ever go into uh, like theater production design like oh my gosh it's a whole new world I I couldn't (laughs) I think if I was ever lucky enough that somebody thought I was creative enough to want to um, collaborate, I think maybe you could do a collaboration, especially if you're a name or you're famous or something, maybe Mm -hmm. you could do that. But it's a whole nother for those people too. Oh my gosh, they're, they're scrambling to get to the top too. the theater world. You know, it's very um, just like any acting or theater. It's, it's, only a few people who really make it to the to the upper echelon. So yeah. it would be fun. It would be a blast. That would I'm be. inspired by theater and, and theater set design. When I go to see a show, oh, it's so inspiring to me. Absolutely. So how far out um, from being an actress did you start your company, Beam and Blue? Yeah, let's see. Um, I would say four years from when I was kind of actively pursuing acting. Okay. Um, <laughs> however that sounds. So I was actually still pregnant. I had, I have three children. So with my third, she was one and a half when we moved to the burbs and uh, sort of life changed because we were in the city before. And I was regularly auditioning up until she was about, up until she was about born really. And I was doing something called reading for auditions. So I would be a reader. I would be the person that read the lines with the person auditioning, which is kind of fun. So I was acting with the uh, actors and I got to act with some cool people. That was fun. Some famous people. Anyway. Um, no name drops. I was like pregnant. I was fully pregnant reading and acting with these people. It was fun. Um, so not that long before I started this business, but like I said, I started slow. You know, my daughter had just gone to preschool and I took on a couple jobs. I was charging practically nothing, you know? So it grew kind of slowly, but it was about four years of, of learning and hustling and doing my own home renovation project okay. before I realized. And what all services do you provide for the company? So interesting. It's changing. Okay. Um, largely, my, my services are changing because of the show. When, when I was doing the show, because I only had a certain bandwidth um, doing the TV show. Mm-hmm. But when I started... I was offering a few different things that I found really popular and they were more decor based, right? So it would be like, I was doing e-design, which was very nice way to start because you're learning um, software that's, you know, floor plan software and you're learning how to source, figuring out what trade sourcing is and all that. Um, And then I would do a hybrid package, which was really cool where I would, because I wanted to make myself accessible to people. 
I know this is like something people fall into that I want to be affordable and you also have to get paid for your time. Mm -hmm. But I found that there was this market locally for me coming in person for an initial consult, doing measurements and photography and things. And then everything else was digital in between. So it's a little more DIY for the client to like gather samples and do all those things, but they had guidance the whole time. Yeah. And then we'd come at the end and do a styling session and sort of help set things up. And that does work believe it or not, for kitchen and bathrooms, when you have somebody who is working with a contractor, working with an architect and has some interest in being involved. So you can help them pick like tiles, colors, finishes, and they're able to sort of do the legwork on their own in the middle. Um, So that was very popular. But right now I'm doing full service, which is, you know, from beginning to end, you're Mm -hmm. involved, you're involved with the architects. I do not subcontract, so contractors. So I work with them. Um, but just being involved the entire time, sourcing, bringing the samples, in-person presentations and the whole thing. And then we're offering e-design again. So it came full circle for a while. I got rid of it. And now I'm like, a lot of people from around the country seem to want help. And we can do it. The bummer about e-design is that you don't get the reveals. You don't get the finished product pictures very often because the average person doesn't think to do it and they don't really know how to style it necessarily. So even though we send them pictures with like a beautifully styled room, Mm -hmm. we don't always get, you know, a great photograph or whatever at the end. So, but it's a service that people love. Oh yeah. And that's one thing that COVID kind of one good thing that actually came out of COVID (laughs) e-design for our business. It, it it seemed so like such a bad idea in the beginning, (laughs) I see but how it yeah. has worked so well for so many people. And like you yeah. said, if it's someone that's not going to do work or it's just someone that needs guidance, mostly to right. use it. And I think a lot of people in our industry think it's the people that are want their handheld through the whole entire thing right. or want it completely done and don't want anything to do with it. Don't right. do e-design because that's very, no. very hard to do. Yeah. There's, and that's why I'm saying, I think there's like two extremes. One is like, we're very, we're very helpful and we're very involved, but we also make sure there's time limits on those e-designs because or else people come back for like weeks and weeks and weeks. We have a time period where we do revisions and then we're done and it's up to you. You have shopping links, you can purchase. Um, we'll, we'll often do a one-time purchase for e-design. So if, they, if there's a trade source that would benefit them, mm-hmm. you can often do one order, but you're right. If people want their hands held, they don't want to be heavily involved. E-design is not for them. Exactly. They need full service and they need to find someone local. Exactly. How, and then when did the HGTV um, show come about and like, how did that process, how did they reach out to you? Well, it's very interesting. Um, there's actually a whole journey here and they're kind of unrelated, but several years ago, I was approached about a different show and did a screen test and a sizzle reel for that show that they found me on some, I'm, this is why I'm saying people put your names on those sites where there's, you know, like, um, which one was this? This was like Furniture Land South site or something where you have your designer sites up, house, mm-hmm. places like that. They found me from one of those. Maybe they saw my theater history and were like, oh, she'd be good on camera. I don't know. But that uh, didn't go anywhere. That, that one didn't go anywhere. And like a year later, um, my assistant's sister-in-law saw an ad, <laughs> like a casting call on a Brooklyn mommy site in New York that was like, we're looking for area designers for an H, didn't say HGTV because they can't say that, for a major network TV show and we need it staffed. 
And so I just sent all my information in real quick and it went so fast from there. Mm -hmm. They they wanted somebody who could work with somebody else, Joe. And so then Joe and I hit it off right away. And we, we did build a relationship working together and figuring it out. And, um, uh, so we just, the chemistry was great. He's my buddy. He's like, I, I adore him. We have a great working relationship. We both come from the same place where we're very client centered. We very much care about the client. And so it was really luck from there. We moved very quickly with the show. It was like, this is kind of unheard of, but they got us together. The, the production company, River Product River Media, which has been phenomenal, very creative. They were the ones, you know, who started this whole shebang with trading spaces. They were the production oh, okay. of that that started like design TV, basically. Okay, um, I didn't know that. Yeah, isn't that great? It's yeah. like there, that's what like started it. Um, but we because it was COVID, it was the thick of COVID when all this was happening, pretty much. The very first our very first camera experience together was we were in his living room on a Zoom call with the producers and they just interviewed us and it was mild editing. It was like this. And they picked us up for the pilot based on that. Wow. So they knew, we, we knew what we were talking about. They loved Joe already. Joe was their draw for sure. He was okay. already an area guy. He, he had a presence. He did these videos. So he was really the one that they needed a partner for him in the design world, which he really didn't have a ton of experience with that because he was contractor and, and he was a, a home inspector. So he needed a partner, you know, to, to do the design. And we just, it, it really felt very much like um, fate good fortune and fate and it all moved very quickly from there that's so funny because like every single time I ask that to an HGTV person on how they got discovered it's always a different situation different exactly and it's always a fluke of a thing too yeah well and a it, lot of them are in, are um influencers which is yeah. the way you usually get discovered nowadays and that's why I feel so extra fortunate because I was just a local designer who happened to love my job and I had a good networking and I you know but I was not and I still struggle with that aspect of it, like being a presence on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of them, that's been, they were really had a passion project and they put it out there. Yeah. So I think just like theater, it's a very rare thing to get this opportunity. I recognize that I, I'm fully aware, but if you don't put yourself out there, you'll never get it, the opportunity. Exactly. And it's not necessarily for everyone. I think we talked about this before, Eric. It's like, you have to give up a lot to do the shows. Because they're, they, they change your life. They change your schedule. I, I've often said, I don't know how somebody, if it was a single parent, you know, like trying to make it how they could do it, but um, hopefully they'd get the chance. It, it, you give up a lot to do it, um, especially that first season, because it's unknown. There's so many unknowns. There's so much, you want to give so much of yourself to make sure you put your best foot forward. Mm-hmm. So um, it's been a challenge and I'm not going to lie about that as much of a joy as it's been. It's been challenging to run my own business and, and, and for Joe as well to, yeah. to do our real jobs. Cause we're really doing our real jobs. And then we're also doing, this, this is a real job. job. It's a real job, but yeah. it's something that they gave us, you know, right. They put together the opportunity for these real jobs. So we're doing both <laughs> trying to maintain our private businesses. It's, it's challenging. Yeah. And yeah, it's funny that you said it because it's like a passion project because a lot of if you watch some of the HGTV shows, they are using it as they are just filming parts of their real job. For, and, for the most part. Yeah. For it's the just somebody part. that's already established. Yeah. Yeah. So 
those who don't know, I don't know if I even said the t- title of the show. Ah, it's okay. <laughs> it's Home Inspector Joe. Yes. Nate, I'm um, in it though, I swear. <laughs> but Joe and I always joke about, we're like, he's definitely a star, you guys. He's phenomenal. But I'm in it almost as much as he is. Like, it's really funny that the, don't you think the title's kind of like, oh, yeah. su- you're surprised when you watch the mm-hmm. show? Definitely. <laughs> and those who haven't watched it, can you give us a little background on the premise yes. of the show and how it goes? I will. And I got to say, I'm a huge HGTV fan. So I know the shows and I love the shows. And this show is to me such a winner. It's a combination of like, love it or list it, house hunters and your regular design renovation shows. We do it all because we help the homeowners decide between two houses that ha- and what the issues are. So Joe really evaluates the issues that maybe all home inspectors are not as thorough as he is. Many are wonderful and great, but sometimes they're not quite as thorough as he's, he's pretty intense. So you know what you're getting into and then you know the money that you may have left over for renovations. So there's a decision to be made between two homes after Joe inspects it. And I come along to those inspections as well, which is a very unusual real life thing, but it's wonderful because I'm able to help the clients see the potential and kind of assess like the general cost. It might be, you know what I mean? I'm not going to like give them a great, you know how it is. You got to get your contractor in there to really know. Exactly. But what are the possibilities here within their budget? And then they decide on the home and then we renovate the home. And, and along the way, Joe teaches a lot of very valuable lessons about home, home maintenance. And um, that's all part of inspection, right? Because when you're inspecting a home, you're seeing how the home was maintained. Yeah. And there are so many things that you can discover that could have been avoided if they were just maintained properly, which is one of our biggest goals is to, it's really to maximize people's home investment. So you know what you're getting into, you know how to maintain it, you know how to keep it safe, and you know where your money's best spent on design as well. What are you, what's going to maximize your functionality? What's going to enhance your life and inspire you the most? And that's where we're going to put the money. So it's a beautiful show because you get it all, but it's funny. Some people think, well, why didn't they show the whole house? Why don't they show? Because we're not that kind of renovation show where you're just buying a house to make it all beautiful. We have to pick and choose what we fix. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and before you even said it, I was going to say it's a completely different concept to any show that was on HGTV. A lot of shows don't go over the inspection process when they buy the house. Um, and I think it's one of my biggest pet peeves right now. Like when people are buying homes and they get, they bypass wave. the home inspection. Oh. Never wave the home inspection, people. I, I'm serious. Yeah. If you, yeah, I mean, it stresses me out so much. Unless you have enough money, this is what I say. Unless you have enough money to rebuild that house, then yeah. it's fine. You, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know in this market it's impossible to get a house, but not it's, worth it if you if you don't exactly. know what you're getting. Exactly. It's, not worth it. it's. I'm with you. It's it's sad because it's a lot of people like that are just getting their first homes. And if you get your first home and you're, bu- and you're waving that, I'm like, Oh yeah. Again, unless you're, you have the money to literally rebuild it from the ground up and you exactly. have to assume that that could be happening to you. I'm a hundred percent agreement. So it is very helpful. You know, what's frustrating. You can't show it all. Exactly. <laughs> That's the frustrating thing. So, so many times, this is one thing that I think that gets lost on people who are HGTV fans is there's editing. You have to edit. You have to focus on certain problems or else you could never do a show. I mean, there were no, 
it wouldn't exactly. happen. There are so many things that the homeowners know about that we have to fix that we don't address or talk about because we can't. Mm -hmm. um, we try to focus on sort of different things and also the most glaring things on each episode. Um, but it doesn't mean we haven't told them about many other things that they, you know, that that have to be done. We just can't like. Oh, yeah. Away. That would be a if you're not in the I mean, I would love to see all that. Because yeah, I know. Because right? that's like our lives on a daily yeah. basis. But a regular customer, a regular consumer is going to view that show and be bored with it if we show every single thing. Exactly. But now you got to watch every episode to see the new the new um, tips. And we've actually been shocked because we've, especially Joe, gets messages saying that you helped save my house. I finally, I, I realized I have to do this chimney inspection. You know, whatever. I, have, I had to get my fireplace cleaned. I haven't done it in three or four years. And they're finding huge breaks in the mortar where like oh, wow. easily it could have caught on fire. We've had at least two or three some of them aren't so life-threatening, but, you know, one guy was talking about his basement was like getting water periodically and flooding. And then he realized he just didn't have the right sewer cap from the last episode. It's $10. You put on the right sewer cap, then it doesn't back up through your house, you know? Wow. Um, so it's very, very useful. You'll get a lot of great tips that are, um, you know, not big enough that they're addressed by most construction and renovation shows, or maybe they're just not as fun to talk about. Mm -hmm. like we talk about poopy water more than I ever intended to be on a show to talk about I mean literally there, there's so much sewage talk but it's helpful you know yeah, it's realistic too yeah <laughs> so uh, you mentioned before that you were getting your NKBA um, certification so trying to know, trying to <laughs> those who don't know that's the National Kitchen and Bath Association um, for trends of some a client's coming to you and wants to design a kitchen, wants to sell it in 10 years. Mm -hmm. What are the safest trends, colors, countertops to put into that kitchen that you think would be best for 10 years time? Yeah, this is a, this is a one that people get mad at me for sometimes because uh, white is still popular and will probably maintain being popular because it's a fresh, clean color, natural woods. If you can, honestly, you can balance them. So they're not overwhelming. Um, but I do think that there's a place even for resale in 10 years for adding some color and life and interest. And that could be, I think it's totally reasonable to consider a color in the kitchen, as long as it's sort of considered a universal neutral, maybe even the deep blues, things like that, that can kind of play for a long period of time and aren't something so vibrant that it would be a, a color choice for people but especially if you're isolating it to more the island or the base cabinets um and you're keeping the other things a little more neutral maybe white you know something that's that's easy to sell yeah. uh that's just a, a truth and there's a reason for that right it harkens back to european kitchens and you know old paris and and, and things that just read to people as timeless um in our culture currently um, I think you can have a little fun sometimes with certain things like tile, because people know that that's not the most expensive thing ever to replace mm -hmm. countertops. I think you want to be careful about, you want to go with something that's durable and either a natural stone or the court seems to be very useful. Porcelain now is something that looks very organic and natural, but yeah. um, really durable. And that's interesting to me. I think though, if you go, if you go with the too many dynamic choices, and they're the expensive pieces in the in the space. You're going to have trouble. I think you invest in great appliances, right? That are 
and functionality has to be key. And yeah. we talked yeah. about the NKBA guideline, you know, the, the National Kitchen and Bath Association, they have guidelines that really you want to look for, you know, when you're, when you're renovating because they maximize function and comfort. And those things are noticed by sellers when they think about how they're going to live in a place. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, that's all great advice. I always try to tell people don't make it as personalized as you would make it if you're living there. Yeah. Um, and if you're going to pick a place, you can paint the walls around it. Right. You can, yeah. you know, there's, there's other things you can do. Absolutely. But the kitchen, unfortunately, is the big selling point. And you've got, I mean, fortunately, you're on and keeping it a little more muted um, if you're thinking of resale. And if you know you're going to renovate it before you sell it, do what you want. You know? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then next last question. Um, anything that you see on the horizon in kitchen bath design that you've seen and it's coming more of a trend or maybe not a lot of people know about it. Um, while I have you thinking about that, I saw something the other night on, and I posted on my Instagram story that they had these deep drawers in their closet in a cabinet and underneath you could pull it out and there's a secret drawer in it for like, oh. you could put a gun or money or whatever, like a safety. Oh box. yes. I saw that. Yes. You can't see it. That's yeah. So it's like things like that. <laughs> have you seen anything like that, that, that you oh, yeah. don't usually see? I'm wondering if there's anything really like shocking that I've seen like that. I mean, the pop out electric, you know, the pop out outlets are fantastic. Oh, yeah, that is. Because they have multiple outlets like for utilities, um, for your appliances and things like that. It's really nice to have, A, an appliance, you know, the appliance lifts. Those are really nice to have. If you're a baker, there's um, cabinetry and drawers, like a drawer that you can pull out and it raises up your appliances. Yeah. Um, the downdraft vents i mean there's so many technologically there are so many amazing new things there i love is. sound systems that people are putting into kitchens because i personally am a huge music fan and i need to listen to music all the time i always incorporate it into my designs too what's your favorite music artist um so tech is big yeah um i think people are you know really thinking about maximizing storage i i think it's a good trend that we're not leaving soffit spaces and, and, you know, like a lot of empty, cause even if you, it's not something you're going to get into regularly, having that space enclosed, it a makes everything look more grand and finished, but it gives you that storage space for the off season dishes or the holiday wear, or um, I'm a big fan of that, getting rid of yeah. those soffits and using that space. The one, one thing you said about technology, I always struggled. This is going to be kind of sound funny, but <laughs> I struggled on figure out a best place. Cause for a TV, because a lot of clients want the TV kitchen. in the kitchen. I and know. Well, you know, they have fridges with kitchen. Pleasing. They have fridges with TVs now. Yeah, and microwaves too. There you go. Yeah. Go to the microwave. That's what yeah. I say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah no, it's, mean, it's tricky, but you could have like the cabinets, you know, like the hides, right? You know, there's sure. those, Um, like instead of, I mean, it takes up some space, some vertical space. Mm -hmm. But if you have, instead of the um, appliance garage, you have your TV garage. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's also the frame TVs and they can come smaller now too. And they look fantastic. If there's a place on a wall where art would make sense, mm -hmm. they, um, I don't want to get too brandy, but you know, they make the TVs that have, um, either a very slim wire and no other connection, or you can get it, you know, you can get it, um, the electrician to, to put the, the hit, the hide of the outlet back there, but absolutely. Um, then they just look like a framed piece of art. And when you're not on, they look like art. So it makes it easier. I think. Oh nowadays. yeah. To incorporate tech 
because yeah, there's so many options. It, yeah, technology's made it huge. Um, last thing I wanted to bring up, like, have you seen a lot of people, I mean, kitchen sinks have come a long way in the past, like yeah. so many years. I'm seeing a huge trend on people bringing, I call them kitchen transformers. They have like, you know, they are huge 42 inch base sinks with uh, oh, yeah. cutting boards, all of that. Yeah. Accessories with it. Are you seeing that a lot coming through your area? Yeah. I mean, we're, we're still, st- you know, most of my clients still want pretty basic that way. Um, they want a big sink though. So they yeah. want the big thing. Not a lot of them actually I'm seeing less gadgets that are built into the sink and more things that are usable. Like they sell those trays or the, um, or these, the colander trays and things that yeah. sit into a kitchen. Those are sort of accessories that are added on in, in my experience, but I also do smaller kitchens a lot because we're in a small, an area with smaller kitchens, but, yeah. um, that's funny. The transformer. I get it. Um, no, yeah. we're, we're loving the look of the, the bigger sinks are definitely in. There's more style involved in them. The fluted sinks, things like that. I'm seeing more of, um, but that's so interesting. I haven't really run into a lot of that. Yeah. I mean, but I love I hearing go, about it. yeah, you're up in New York, right? Yeah. So I mean, city. I feel like everything we get, like, cause I'm in Pittsburgh. So we're all on the East coast. We yeah. get everything like five years after the West Coast. <laughs> so like, I don't know about that. It's possible. But we also have such, we live so differently because yeah. where we are is a congested area. There's a lot of old houses too, which is lovely. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's the tech though is definitely a big thing. You're going to see so much tech in kitchens. And oh, every yeah. day I'm surprised by something, you know? <laughs> oh, extreme. And like, yeah, a customer comes in they want something. I'm like, what, what is that? What is that? But what a great way to learn. but you want to make sure this is the thing too a lot of people think they want right all the gadgets and all this stuff and you need to sometimes help them realize what are you really going to use you're going to get so annoyed if you have a sink you have to transform every time you use it like maybe you don't want that you think you want that but maybe you don't want that maybe what you really need is this and that's a very interesting thing don't you think dealing with clients and the newest and the latest is stop and think do you really think you're going to use that? And yeah. why do you think you want that? And maybe there's a better solution. That's not that. <laughs> exactly. And I think that's what makes a good designer. If you're going to bring that up or you're going to ask questions on why, like don't, right. if you're a designer, don't be afraid right. to ask a million questions because you are personalizing this to their, their life. Absolutely. You don't want to cause them. Like I, I know so many people that want that uh, mixer lift for their kitchen. Yeah. And it takes up, it takes up the whole cabinet. So if so, you're not going to bake weekly yeah. or daily, which people do, that's what I'm saying. Like if you're a baker, it makes perfect sense. If you're yeah. constantly putting that thing up and down, but think about it. Right. And that's why I think it's smart as a designer, not to be just a yes person either. Exactly. Um, we certainly know though, we run into the people who, no matter what you say, they're going to do what they want to do. And, and certainly on the show, I'm sure you've seen some episodes where I'm like, this is really what they wanted. You know, like you can't, these are real yeah. clients. Like, yeah, you could lose them people, if you force it. Yeah. And um, it's interesting because some criticisms, I mean, first of all, I don't want to keep you too long because I'm Gavin. Or, or, oh, you're fine. Um, first of all, there, you get a lot of criticism when you do a TV show and you just mm-hmm. learn. There's just people who like to criticize. That's fine, whatever. But a lot of people do say things like, oh, another white kitchen, another white kitchen. I'm like, but you have to understand two it's- things. One is that we talked about 
it is actually quite universally appealing and very um, easy to design and decorate around. Two, that's what people want. Exactly. And if somebody's going to invest in a kitchen and they know that that's what they want, I'm not going to be able to talk them out of a kitchen just for your entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. You know? That's I actually just posted about that um, a little bit ago that I did a remodel of my bathrooms upstairs and put white oh, yeah. cabinets and white countertops. I can't stand them, but really? I put those in. Yo, yeah. I, well, I'm a clean freak. So like the shape. Me too, dirt. but do you know what? You can see the dirt. I like the white because you can see it. And so you know yeah. you can clean it up. It's true. That I mean, that you is had a brown true. countertop, Eric. You would never know it was That's dirty. That's what I had. I had a like a Sienna, Sienna brown granite so before. It's probably dirty and you didn't know it. Exactly. I think it's the <laughs> unknown that made me more comfortable. <laughs> okay, I see. Okay. Yeah. yeah but right. I put that in because of I knew white's not going to go out of style. Right. So and I knew I wasn't going to live here very long. So yeah. That's exactly, exactly. making sure you got to consider it. Yeah. Exactly. And we do try to have fun. Like I try to tell people, you can still have a lot of fun. If you, even if you're designing for resale, there mm -hmm. are things that either are very easy to redo or um, they're just decor items. I mean, just with art and pillows and drapery, you can change everything. So exactly. you don't have to give up your, your um, individuality to make something work for resale. Exactly. You still personalize it yourself with all that. Yeah, awesome. definitely. Well, thank you so much, Noel, for coming on today. Thank um, you for having me. Yeah, I loved hearing about how you got into the career and in the show and all that. That's what crazy. can the viewers do to help you get season two? Oh my gosh, I don't know. It'll be too late by the time this airs, Eric. <laughs> um, no, I don't know. I mean... Listen, I'm just a big believer in we did a great job being authentic, being our authentic selves. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things I think that's the greatest about this show is I think it's very authentic and you don't always get to see that. Mm -hmm. um, we could just, you know, it never hurts to tell them you love us and you want us back. <laughs> um, it never hurts. There's actually, yeah. you know, on HGTV's website, they were like, we want to hear from you. And I think they really read that stuff. So, okay. But we've had a great reception. Everyone's been wonderful to us trying to help us and our stories be heard. And um, I can't complain. I think what's meant to be will, will be, you know. Yeah. And yeah, Joe I is actually on a special coming up. He's going to be on the hometown um, oh, special. Okay. Yeah. So he will um, be there. So you won't say goodbye, you know. Yeah. And I think that shows that people really love him and want, and want to see him. And hopefully they love us together. We are a great team. And um, we want to keep doing it for you. So we'll see what happens. Absolutely. And by the time this airs, all the episodes yeah. are going to be on. So we'll, can they catch them all on Discovery Plus? Yeah, Discovery Plus, you can get absolutely everything. It, it streams in, a, in an interesting way. So we won't stream the newest episode till the day of the episode. Okay. Um, but it's so funny. It starts like that day. So I would have people say, oh, I saw your episode. And I was like, well, it's 4 p.m. Like, how did you see it? Yeah. It's, it's on the day of the air, the airing. Oh, and I didn't then, know that. Yeah, so you can watch it early. I don't just for fun. I like watch it at yeah. the live time. When it's live, yeah. Yeah, but um, so you can catch it then, and it shouldn't go away. I mean, it should still may be there even after you know, no matter what happens to our seasons. But yeah. we certainly hope we come back. Sometimes they change things up, you know, from a season to another season. I mean, it could be different. It could not happen at all. But we're just so grateful for the opportunity, and we really had fun. And I feel like I feel great knowing that we really gave people 
a lot of education and a lot of inspiration. And oh, I think yeah. those are the best two things you can get for your home. Yeah. And I, I saw that all from viewing it as well. Oh, thank you. So where can everybody follow you at on social media? Oh, yeah. Media? You guys, I started so beam and bloom had a nice following i'm like locally well known um so there's at beam and bloom spelled out on instagram but my my personal page which i started just after the show is at noel gats n-o-e-l-g-a-t-t-s and i would love if you follow me there because that was sort of like i'm like oh i need this now and it's less followers than i have for my business (laughs) joe's got like fifteen thousand followers i'm like hi hi i'm here too over here so I won't mind. I won't mind if y'all follow me, but um, yeah, I, they're, they're sort of different. So I focus on different things. I'm beaming bloom. I really try to focus more on design and design advice. And mm-hmm. on Noel Gats, I do a little bit of both, but we talk a lot about fun stories, behind the scenes stories, uh, things that are happening with the show, you know, more of that. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So thank, thank you. you so much for joining us. And yes, thank you for waiting till my voice yields. Okay. No problem. <laughs> it's still a little crackly. No, it was good. I mean, like I said, it's like I postpone so many when I'm sick because it's podcasting is all about your voice. So like, no, it's like being in theater. It's it's. I mean, at least you don't have to sing. I'm telling you, singing is a whole different thing. Yeah, you wouldn't want to hear that anyways. <laughs> oh, really? No, no. Well, no. now we'll have to hear it sometime. Nope, it's not yep. happening. Nope. Next time, <laughs> never have me on again. It's happening. <laughs> We're gonna sing "Row, Row, Row Your Boat" and and um, you know, a cannon. That means when you, all right, no way, you're turning red, you guys, (laughs) Um, that was so fun, yeah, thank you, Noel, so much, you too.